It's like, like I'm stuck. Like, like stuck in the upside down. No. You know, on a, a viewmaster when it gets like, caught between two slides. Yeah, yeah, like that. Like, like one side is our world, and and the other, the other slide is the upside down. And there was this noise coming from everywhere. And then I saw something. Is it Demogorgon? No. It was like this, this huge shadow in the sky. Only it was alive. And it was coming for me. Is this all real, or is it like the doctors say, all in your head? I don't know. Just, just please don't tell the others, okay? They won't understand. Eleven would. She would. Yeah. She always did. Sometimes I feel like I still see her. Like she's still around, but she never is. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy. Me too. Hey, well, if we're both going crazy, then we'll go crazy together, right? Yeah. Crazy together. Oh my goodness, it's a Friday night already. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another brand new episode of Stranger Danger. Episode 10 of Stranger Danger, covering episode 2 of Stranger Things 2, titled Trick or Treat Freak. This is actually the first episode of Stranger Danger, where I'm aware that someone from my office, someone from my work might be listening. If you're listening, what do you expect? Um, and will that change the way I do the show? Uh, no, not at all. People I work with, they know what I am already, really. I have no expectations, and um, 
They have no expectations, I should say. Anyway, yeah, I told someone at work that I uh, do a podcast, and I, I think they signed up. Now, if they started episode one, there's a good chance they did not make it this far, which I'm fine. If it never comes up again at work, I'm absolutely fine. But if you made it this far, like, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, I hope the Grand Canyon is exciting. Okay. Let's get right into the episode, huh? We actually pick up in a flashback. We're not in. We're not in strange. We're not in Stranger Danger to Stranger Things two yet. We're actually at the back end of Stranger Things one. The episode picks up right at that moment where Eleven says goodbye to Mike and destroys the Demogorgon. You know. What we saw last year was Eleven kind of evaporating or disintegrating. Um, but what happens is she just basically wakes up in the Upside Down. All she did was kind of transfer herself to the Upside Down when she destroyed the Demogorgon. So here I'm thinking, you know, where's Eleven? How was she going to get back? How did she get back? How did she get into Hopper's house? Uh, where did, you know, what happened? Well, it turns out the night that she killed the Demogorgon, about five minutes later, she crawled out of the Upside Down. You know, she's she wakes up in the Upside Down. She's in the school. She's walking through the hall. She's screaming for Mike. She finds this little window um, back out into the real world. You know, some police kind of shine a light through it or somebody shines a light through it. She hides from them, waits for them to leave, then uses her powers and, you know, widens the uh, the hole and just walks out of it. You know, it's slimy. It's gross. But... She walked right out of the school. I mean, at this point, you know, Mike and his family could just be heading home. Uh, she walks right out of the school like no big deal, cuts through the, the fields to get to Mike's house because she wants to get back to Mike and sees all these cop cars, you know, outside his house and realizes, you know, maybe it's not safe to to get too close. Well, she still gets pretty close, actually. Because uh, there are feds all over the wheelhouse, and you know they're they're basically telling Mike's dad, you know, got to keep this under wraps. He's like, "We're good patriots; we won't say a thing." And uh, these people are interviewing um, Mike. They're talking to Mike, and they're basically telling her, you know, everything this girl said to you is a lie. Um, do you know where she is? And you know, he's like, "I don't know where she is, and even if I knew where she was, there's." I just wouldn't tell you. I would never betray her. I would never betray her. And she actually is right outside the window watching this, listening in on this. And he kind of sees her. He sees her or senses her or something because the feds realize he's looking out the window. So they all run outside. At that point, she's already run off. She's off in the woods. They're chasing her. She's hiding in the woods. It really had that moment reminded me of E.T. And, um, that's when the episode music started. And speaking of E.T., more E.T., uh, we're back in Hopper's cabin, and uh, he turns around, you know, getting ready for breakfast, turns around and sees Eleven dressed up as a ghost. Oh, Jesus. Ghost. Yeah, I see that. Halloween. Sure is. But right now it's breakfast, okay? Come on, let's eat. They wouldn't see me. Who wouldn't see you? The bad men. 
What are you talking about? Trick or treat. You want to go trick-or-treating? You know the rules. Yes. Yes, yeah, so you know the answer. No, but no. I don't... They wouldn't hey, see me. I don't care. But they I wouldn't don't see me. I don't care, all right? You go out there, ghost or not, it's a risk. We don't take risks, all right? They're stupid. And? We're not stupid. Exactly. Just seeing Eleven in that ghost, um, you know, the sheet over her head. Again. Uh, right out of E.T. You know, they took E.T. out trick-or-treating with, uh, with a sheet over his head as a ghost. Um, I like that whole thing of, you know, it just showed Hopper and, and Eleven having a, a cool um, relationship. Just a normal adult male child relationship that's not creepy or freaky. We actually talked about this in my office. It's cool to see that kind of relationship. Um, and it, this is, you're seeing the beginning of that, you know, where they, they have a, a rapport. Is that it? And um, they also have a motto we're not stupid. And he's like, look, we can't go trick or treating. I'll bring candy home for you. It's a compromise. And Eleven's like, compromise. And he's like, Come promise, C-O-M promise, a halfway happy, meaning you're not going to get what you want, but at least you can get something out of it. We cut over to the buyer's house, and Will is getting all dressed up for Halloween in his Ghostbusters costume. Um, Joyce finds the mind flare drawing, the drawing of the big uh, kind of shadow monster. Um, nothing comes from that yet. I think, I don't think, unless he says it's just a drawing. I don't know. I kind of forgot. I wrote this down yesterday, and I was very tired when I was watching half of the episode. I finished the episode today, so I'm more awake. Um, but he's dressed up uh, as a Ghostbuster, getting his picture taken. Actually, all the boys are getting their pictures taken. It was, it was funny to see Lucas, his little sister, was making fun of him. Uh, and Dustin loved getting his photo taken by his mom. And, of course, the only one who didn't like getting his photo taken was Emo Mike. You know, He's like, oh, come on, I don't want to get my picture taken. Um, so he was, you know, a little, a little, uh, bratty, but we see the three of them, um, riding their bikes to work, all singing Ghostbusters and, uh, Will meets up with them. And it's funny, uh, that they're Egon, uh, Ray, uh, Peter Vinkman and another Peter Vinkman. Lucas did not want to be, um, I don't know why I can't remember his name. Uh, Winston. I have it written down. I don't even need to remember it. Lucas did not want to be Winston because Winston is not a scientist. Winston was late. Winston was not funny. So they had to be two Vinkmans. Um, and of course, he's like, why, you know, Mike, why can't you be Winston? Because you're not black. And that was funny. Um, and I remember in the trailer, uh, when they showed it over the, oh, on Super Bowl Sunday, they showed this trailer, the first trailer for season two. And, um, it shows them all dressed in their Ghostbusters costume and Lucas looking off, you know, in the distance. And you're thinking there's some scary monster coming. But in reality, in this episode, we see that all he's seeing is a school bus filled with kids, none of which are wearing costumes. You know, they're in the school looking around. Nobody's in costume but them. They're trying to figure out what happened. Last year, everybody wore costumes. Obviously, everyone's getting older and they're still... Wanted to be fun kids. 
and at, at that moment also, Dustin and Lucas, uh, they see Max and they, they're kind of trying to talk themselves up into going to talk to her. I think it was to ask her a trick or treating. And, you know, they're, they're, they're gearing up, gearing up, gearing up, and she just walks away. That was pretty funny. They, before they even had a chance, she was just gone. Cut over to the buyer's house, and uh, Joyce is talking to Hopper, um, kind of nervous about the drawing, the, the, the mind flare drawing that she saw. Um, you know, and I think Hopper's like, you know, this is, he still believes that these, are, these could be memories or, or post-traumatic stress. Um, and he says a couple of things that I found interesting. First of all, he says, you want to take him back to Chicago. Then Joyce says, uh, well, there's that guy in Boston. So that just made me think, you know, what's that about? What's this guy in Boston? Why was that reference dropped? It was never brought up again. And what's this thing you want to take him back to Chicago? What's that about? It was never, again, brought up again. So I'm thinking to myself, could these be things that we see in season three? Something to do with someone in Boston, someone in Chicago. It's just brought a level of uh, a bit of a backstory that we don't know anything about. It was just a throwaway line really quick, but I wonder if it could mean something more uh, in the future. You know, he still thinks it's just the, the trauma, the trauma and the flashbacks, but it, it was just a nice moment that Hopper and Joyce had. I think Hop Joyce is just like, she just wants this to end. And I believe they shared one of Hopper's cigarettes again, which I guess is a little powerful because Joyce coughs every time she smokes one. So now we cut over to the lab, and um, there's a guy getting dressed up in a hazmat suit. I call him a tech. I don't know what else he could be, just someone who works for the lab, going through the gate. Um, and he's in the upside down, and he walks over to some sort of machine. Almost had, like, satellites on it, uh, maybe some kind of weather vane. Um, and he sees this battery was fried, and he replaces it with another battery. Well, I wrote down Dr. Paul Reiser. Um, was watching on uh, because I forget his name. Um, and then Paul Reiser goes back and he's watching some of the Will meeting that he had with him. And Will was talking about it being, you know, frozen in, in fear. And he's sque- squeezing the stress ball. And I wonder if this was kind of the first way of showing that he is nervous, um, but he also seems to care. He might not be so cold-blooded as... Uh, Dr. Brenner was. We cut over to the high school and Nancy and Steve, they're doing homework and Nancy gets up to sharpen a pencil and she just sees the back of this girl's head. Uh, red-headed girl. You realize she's, I don't think she thinks she's seeing Barb. You know, I, I feel like she just kind of for a moment has a like, a, just like a flash of whoa and the girl turns around um, and obviously it's not Barb, but Nancy's really freaking out and Steve noticed it. Um, so they kind of step away for a minute to talk about it. I can't keep doing this. Doing what? Pretending like everything's okay. What are you talking about? Barbara. It's like everyone forgot. It's like nobody cares except her parents. And now they're selling their house and they're yes. going to spend the rest of their lives yes. looking for her. I know. I know. It's destroyed. No, I know. Okay, I get it, but listen, there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, we could tell them the truth. 
for you know that we can't do that. You have to tell them everything. But this isn't some game, Nance. If they found out that we told and they could put us in jail, okay? Or worse, they could destroy our families. They can do anything they want. Okay, just think about what you're saying. Hey. Hey. costumes that we've been working on for a stupid amount of time and just pretend like we're stupid teenagers okay can we just do that just for the night okay i don't know if it was intentional um that earlier in the episode hopper said to 11 we're not stupid and uh, just now, at this part of the episode, Steve said to Nancy that they just want to be stupid teenagers, go to a stupid party, and uh, dress in their stupid costumes. Just for, um, you know, just for one night can we have an enjoyable, basic, boring, regular evening. But the conversation between the two of them kind of sets off Nancy into her path for really the rest of the season, you know, where she does not want to uh, let Barb die in vain and does not want to let the people who um, she holds responsible or holds responsible, uh, she doesn't want them to get away with it and she does not want to rest on this. And she doesn't want Barb's parents to be, you know, running around like crazy, spending all their money for something that um, is never going to work out. Back over in the junior high, uh, Lucas and Dustin do finally get to talk to uh, Max and ask um, her to go trick-or-treating with them. It was kind of a fun conversation. Um, I think she called them, I forget what the term was, persistent? I don't know, whatever it was, it was funny, um, just the two of them. You could see that they're both pretty much, you know, I don't want to say love-struck, but crush. The Both of them, you could tell, have that that nerdy crush. And I don't think they realize yet that, you know, Hey guys, there's two of you and there's only one of her. So, um, if she does like one of you, it means she can't like both of you. You know what I mean? If, if one of you win her heart, the other one, uh, not going to be too happy about it. Uh, back over in Hopper's cabin, um, Eleven just kind of spends the day watching television. She's flipping through channels. She's a commercial for Terminator. It is 1984, after all. Um, and then flips a channel to uh, a soap opera. And, you know, you'd think I would just say, oh, she's just watching some soap opera. But I saw it right away. I said, that's all my children. That's Erica Kane. Um, yes, my mother watched all my children all through my childhood. So I know exactly what that show was, exactly who that character was. Um and she could see she's kind of like mimicking the, uh, you know, the, the terminology. Um, and I don't know if it was on purpose, but I've never seen Erica Kane uh, with Susan Lucci, the actress, with that short hair 
kind of like how Eleven had. So I don't know if Eleven saw herself in that character, kind of um, that character being in love and how she wants to be in love, obviously thinking about Mike. She hears something outside. She puts the curtains up, sees a uh, squirrel, and we get another flashback. You know, she, um, last time we saw her, she was hiding in the woods. She's basically living in the woods now. She's using her powers to telekinetically kill squirrels so that she may then cook them and eat them. Um, on one such occasion, a hunter approached her, and you know, you think the worst when you see some creepy guy in the woods, like, hey, little girl, what are you doing out here? Got his gun. Um, he doesn't do anything to her. He's just uh, kind of at the wrong place at the wrong time. She actually uses the, I think it was the, the burnt squirrel body and whacks him right in the head. Or It was probably a piece of wood now that I think about it. Whacks him in the head, knocks him out. She steals his jacket, steals his hat, and just runs off. So we're kind of getting little glimpses of what Eleven went through um, to get from the school to Hopper's cabin. Speaking of Hopper, we're back at the uh, police station, and Hawk, Hopper, you know, pulls up, and there's a truck next to, uh, right in front of the police station, and it's just filled with rotted pumpkins, um, just with flies and everything. And he goes inside, and this time it's Eugene. I believe it's Eugene. He's now accusing Merle, the other farmer, of poisoning his pumpkins. Um, but it turns out there's a bunch of farms, all with rotted, dead crops. So obviously that's something that Hopper, uh, you know, finds interesting and, and wants to look more into. Back over at the school, we see Max getting picked up um, after school from uh, Billy. You know, we don't, at this point, we still don't know who he is to her. We assume it's her brother. Um, and I don't even know if, I think, I'm not sure if they use the, the name Billy yet. She uses it in the car. He's a real prick. He hates Hawkins, you know. And he says to her, you know, we're stuck here, and whose fault is that, you know? Um, and I'm watching that this time going, well, whose fault is it? Is there something behind that? Is he just blaming? Now, obviously, you've watched all the episodes, so if I go ahead and talk about things that haven't happened yet, it's fine. Obviously, he could be blaming the fact that Max's mother married her, his father, um, and they moved. But that doesn't make any sense because they're not from Hawkins, so why would they move to Hawkins? Why would it be her fault? He's obviously blaming her. She said him under her breath, and he got really pissed off, and he actually almost, you know, drove, he, he slammed the gas on his car, turned up some Ted Nugent, and um, I believe it was Ted Nugent, and almost runs the the kids over as they're riding their bikes home. Um, but, you know, we know that he has a, it's his dad who's super prick, um, abusive guy, and he's married to Max's mom. I just don't know. I'm trying to wonder if this whole, you know, we're stuck here and who's, whose fault is that? Is that a line of a, of just a angry teenager uh, in a divorced household, picking on his you know younger stepsister, or does it mean something? I don't know. That's what this podcast is for, to pick on these little things and wonder, is there something more to it? Back on the pumpkin patch, and Hopper's checking out the rotted crops. I mean, there's slime 
on trees. It's disgusting. Now, you trying to tell me with a straight face, Cole did this. How far does it go? Giant pissed all over Jack's bean field. Smells too. Smell over there? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Ah, smells like a nursing home, man. Listen, I want you guys to track the rot, see how far it goes. Just uh, mark anything that's dead. Uh, it's gonna take some time, so take it. And look, we don't know what causes. Could be poison, so don't touch anything without gloves. Copy that, Chief. You any marking flags? I love Hopper. You know, he's already realizing that there, um, there's no way someone did this. It's definitely not the cold, but, you know, he doesn't believe that someone poisoned uh, these crops as far as, you know, on purpose, as far as another farmer doing it to, uh, to sabotage. I don't say sabotage. I say sabotage. Five people will get that reference. Um, you know, you could tell Hopper thinks something else is going on here, so that's why he starts marking, trying to get a pattern, trying to figure out what is this rot and why is it spreading uh, in the farms of Hawkins. But hey, it's Halloween night, so we cut back over to the uh, buyer's house, and uh, we got Bob dressed like a vampire, real kind of a corny, nerdy costume. He's given Jonathan tips on how to use his camcorders. Jonathan's taken Will out trick-or-treating. Um, but while they're driving, Will and Jonathan, you know, Will's like, Jonathan's kind of wondering, you know, what what is Mumsy and Bob? And Will likes Bob to a point. He's like, you know, at least he doesn't treat me weird. Um, I can't even go out trick-or-treating alone. But Jonathan, you know, when they pull up to see his friends, he's like, listen, I'll let you go on your own if you promise to be back at Mike's by 9 p.m. So it's, he's letting Will, you know, live a little bit. He, he thinks his brother's earned it. Um, and also, you can kind of tell that he wants to go to this party because he knows that Nancy Wheel is going to be there. Speaking of said party, uh, it's debauchery, you know. Obviously, Tina's family, whoever this Tina is, she's out, they're out of town. And Billy, of course, the, the jerk is there and he's doing a keg stand and they're like, Billy, Billy, Billy. And the, the new king, you know, the new keg king. Eat it, Harrington. Um, and there's another guy there dressed up like the Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. And, of course, that, he's not in the, the season that much. But that is uh, Steve's friend, one of his jerk friends from the, the previous season. Now, of course, he's attached himself to Billy. It seems like this 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 prick uh he wants to just attach himself to the jerkiest guy at the school. Last year it was Steve. This year he sees Billy as the new kingfish, so he attaches himself to him. While these two guys are trying to, uh, you know, show up Steve, Nancy kind of walks off. You can obviously tell that things are still bugging her because she uh, goes right up to this punch bowl and um, this big, like, burly, nerdy guy. He's like, it's pure fuel. 
And Nancy just, you know, she's like, it's time to be a stupid teenager. Digs right into the punch. We cut back over to the uh, buyer's house. And it's just a nice moment with Bob and Joyce. Um, you know, in the party, they, they have, uh, I think they have Motley Crue, Shout Out the Devil playing. Um, juxtaposed with Bob playing Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton's Islands in the Stream, which I've been hearing a lot lately. Um, you know, he gets Joyce up to relax and, and dance in her house, which was uh, just nice because it, it shows how how much of a nice, good guy Bob is. And he actually says, you know, have you ever thought of leaving Hawkins? You know, we could we could leave Hawkins. Um, there's radio shacks out where my parents live. They're selling their house in Maine. There's a lot of cool theories of this being tied into the Stephen King world and Bob um, growing up in Maine. Uh, that'll come up more in other episodes. I'll, I'll bring it up more in future uh, episodes of Stranger Danger. I'll have some audio to go along with that. But one thing that was nice, it just it was really sweet. Joyce is like, you know, we are, this is not a normal family. And Bob just said, it could be. And it just, as the season goes on, as we know what's going to happen, oh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. But at this moment, Bob's awesome. The boys are trick-or-treating. It was a fun little scene where the woman opens the door and thinks they're all exterminators. Um, but we get a moment where they get uh, three musketeers. All of them hate Three Musketeers, except Dustin. He loves it. He loves the nougat. Uh, and that, that plays a little more in future episodes of this. Whew, I'm getting tired. Um, but while they're walking along, Max jumps out of nowhere in a Michael Myers mask and a big uh, big knife. And the kids freak out. And I think it was Lucas who screamed like a, like a five-year-old girl. It was pretty funny. Um but she's like, you coming along? And Lucas and Dustin are all for it. And Will doesn't care. He, he's just, you know, whatever. But Mike is really not into it. He doesn't like that she's in the group. He just kind of stands there and walks right, you know, behind all of them slowly. Back over in the pumpkin patch over in Eugene's farm, Hopper's still laying down flags. I mean, this rot is spreading all over the place. And while he's out there, it's dark, it's gloomy. He hears that weird noise again. That noise he heard in the woods at uh, the other farm. The same noise that Dustin heard the other night by his garbage. That noise is going to come up again. Um, but he's kind of, you know, he, he unclips his gun because he's kind of freaking out. But he realizes that there's just a kid uh, with a cap gun who scares the hell out of him. Which... When he sees that kid and he realizes what time it is, he realizes he has left 11 way later than he said he would. Uh, he's like, oh, crap. He leaves. He runs off. But before he leaves, he comes back and tries to get that kid to give him some candy. Luckily, he offers him some money and to, to get some candy and bring it home. He radios into 11 and gives the Morse code of L-A-T-E that he's going to be late. And um, she again has another flashback. This time she stumbles upon that box in the woods uh, that had the egos and some food. And I'm wondering, it seemed like she didn't know what this was and this was the first time she saw it. So I wonder, is this the month after Christmas? It's been a month and this is that 
food supply that Hopper left at the end of season one. I don't know why Hopper thought, well, let's just leave it out here. Maybe she'll find it. Maybe she's in the woods. I don't know why he would think that. Um, unless somebody talked to him or he saw that the feds, you know, were out looking for in the woods. I mean, that, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Cut back over to all the guys uh, trick-or-treating. And they're in, a, they're in a neighborhood called Loch Nora. And if you watch the Beyond Stranger Things episode, that was a real neighborhood uh, where the Duffers, you know, where the Duffers grew up that were, had all the nice houses and gave away the, the full-size candy bars. So that was a little nod to that. It was a graveyard smash. Another full-size. Like, seriously, rich people are such suckers. Wait, you're not rich, right? <laughs> I love old Cherry Road. Oh. No, it's fine. I mean, this tree's good for skating. Yeah. Oh, totally tubular. Well, did I say that right? Or is it like tubular? It's, it's like, it's like totally tubular. Totally tubular. What another way, dude. Totally perfect. Yeah. Oh, my ears are hurting. <laughs> oh, yeah. You agree to this? What? To her. Joining our party. It's just for Halloween. She should have checked with me. Well, they were excited. I guess I thought you'd be okay with it. She's ruining the best night of the year. Zombie boy! Super creep freak! Okay, so first of all, I love totally tubular, but man, Mike is just not into Max being part of this group. He's like, they should have consulted me. And Will, again, just doesn't care, but Mike's like, they're ruining the worst night of the year. And he just leaves Will, walks off without him, leaves Will alone, while three terrible bullies. But just say horrible things to Will. Call him zombie boy and trick-or-treat freak. Boo. Uh, but, man, that second kid had the best Jason Halloween mask I've ever seen. So we had Jason and Michael Myers in this episode. Um, no Fred Krueger yet, though. Not that I... No, no Fred Krueger. Um, I believe it was a little too early for Freddy Krueger uh, Halloween costumes. Um, he was still very scary then, so they wouldn't be selling... I think the burnt face mask and the in the uh, gloves. They did definitely sell them later on in life because I had them. Um, but let's not gloss over the fact that these guys freaked Will out. He fell down and snapped over into the upside down. He's in the upside down and he hears again. There's that sound. He hears the same sound that a Hopper heard in the in the forest or in the uh, in the woods there in the in the in the farm. Heard the same sound that Dustin heard by his garbage. Um, whatever that is, it's all related. And this time he sees the giant, uh, they, they don't call it the mind flare yet, but sees the giant smoky ghost monster. Um, and he just looks up at it and he runs, runs through this yard, down this hill. And it's, it's all the neighborhood, but it's the upside down. Runs away. The smoke thing starts following him really around the corner, he closes his eyes and boom, he wakes up and Mike's, Mike's there. He's like, Will, are you okay? Will, are you okay? And, um, you know, you could see Will is just in a panic. He's really scared. Um, you know, Dustin's like, oh shit. 
and he and Lucas and Max are just watching on as Will Mike's like, I'm going to take him home. You guys enjoy trick-or-treating. He's angry at them already for being with Max. Max has no idea what the hell's going on. And Mike just kind of blows them all off. And says, I'm taking Will home. This is more important. Max is, you know, like, what's going on? And Dustin and Lucas are just like, oh, you know, they don't say anything. They're not going to say anything to uh, Max about what's going on. But you could tell that they're just like, it seems like they know they screwed up or at least they should have been there more for Will. We cut back over to that awesome, cool party. This time Jonathan shows up, that that kid who was um, talking about, you know, pure fuel in the in the punch. He's thrown up outside. Uh, Jonathan goes inside, shows up at the party, walks inside. He meets a girl. She's kind of dressed up like a punk, like a early 80s emo punk, um, goth punk, I guess. I don't know what the hell it was called. Uh, Samantha's her name. And, uh, yeah, we never see her again. I mean, meets a girl. They talk for a few seconds. She introduces herself. We get a name. And we never see her again. I, When I first saw her, I thought, oh, okay, she's going to be someone that Jonathan's going to become friends with and Nancy's going to get jealous. That was my thought. Um, but nope, not at all. We don't see her one more time. In fact, maybe the point is, look, this girl is trying to be friends with Jonathan, but um, all he cares about is seeing Nancy. And he looks over and uh, he sees, you know, Steve and Nancy partying and dancing and having a good time. Nancy goes back for more punch and um, Steve's trying to stop her. He's like, you know, you probably, you probably shouldn't be drinking anymore. That's, that's enough. You've had enough. Uh, she's like, no, no, no. She spills stuff all over herself, goes up and, um, you know, tries to wash it off in the bathroom of this girl's house. And Steve's trying to, you know, tell her it's not going to come off. Uh, you know, you should, we should just go home. We should just go home. And she just drunkenly rips Steve a new one. Says, everything's bullshit. It's bullshit. Stupid party. Stupid teenagers. So she's like, you know, I, th- I guess she did an okay job. It's always, I always find it funny when people act drunk. How good are they? It's like, ooh, she was very slow, moby talking. You know, like droopy dog. Um, and she's like, everything's bullshit, including their love. She's like, don't you love me? It's like, it's bullshit. Steve just leaves. He's just, you know, like, I am out of here. Boom. We cut over to the, uh, to the Wheeler house, because I believe they're back at Mike's house in the basement. And that was the opening audio um, where Will talks about, like, he feels like he's stuck. He wasn't in the Upside Down exactly, but he wasn't in our world either. He was somewhere in between. He felt like, you know, he gave the viewfinder analogy. Um, He's like, please don't tell the other guys. They're not going to understand. And Mike's like, you know, Eleven would understand. You know, she was really good at that stuff. He talked a little bit about how he he tries to reach out to her, tries to talk to her. Um, he thinks he's getting through to her, but he isn't. She's probably gone. He feels like he's going crazy. And Will's like, I feel like I'm going crazy. He's like, you know what? We'll go crazy together. So it was a cool moment because Mike is with Will a lot this season. Um, he's there by his side. And it just shows, it, it's a good, it's a nice little moment because Mike's showing his true friendship. Sure, he's angry with his other guys right now because of 
there's another girl in the group, but Will is not part of that. So Will, he's not angry with Will at all. Uh, he knows Will's been going through some, uh, um, you know, shiznit. Uh, and, you know, he just wants to be there for Will. He wants to be a good friend to him. So that's why I said Will go crazy together. We cut back, I guess, outside of the same house. Jonathan bring Nancy, brings Nancy home. Um, kind of cool. He walks into the home, brings, his, brings the drunk teenager up to her bedroom, walks her in her bedroom, and leaves her sleeping. Her parents apparently are fast asleep. The fact that people can just do this and it's not a problem. Um, so that's very interesting. And she wakes up just for a second to say Jonathan and falls asleep. And you could see Jonathan just look back at her. Um, you could tell how much he really, really likes her. Hopper races home, finally gets home, and um, you know, does the secret knock. You know, apologizes for being late. I'm sorry, kid. Um, you know, something came up. He's like, "You're gonna let me in?" He just basically um, he is like, "Come on, you know, I got all this candy out here. He's fine. I'll just eat all the candy, get fat. Maybe I'll have a heart attack. What do you care? You're gonna be in there trying to do the guilt trip on her. It's not working because." She brought the TV in her bedroom, not to watch TV, but to find a nice static channel so she could put on her bandana and go into the void. She doesn't need that, that sensory deprivation tank. Her powers have improved. All she needs now is a little quiet, something to kind of mask the sound, and uh, a blindfold. And boom, she knows exactly where she wants to go, looking for young Mike. You feel really bad for Levin here. Um, she can see that Mike is waiting for her. Mike is looking for her. Mike is holding out hope that she's still out there. But because of the rules, because she's hiding for safety purposes, because of what Hopper says, she is, you know, she can't do too much. She visits him. She says, Mike, um, he seems to, to hear it, but then it does, nothing else happens. Mike gets frustrated and shuts off his walkie-talkie, but you know he's going to do it again the next night. Um, but that's it. Eleven's like, she's trapped there, and she takes off the, the blindfold, you know, comes out of the void, and um, she's got her nose bleeding. She's crying. She's really sad. You realize she's just all alone, and except for Hopper. But for the most part, she's alone by herself all day. Um, so you could tell that, you know, she just wants to get out. She wants to get back to her friends. But the episode doesn't end there. 
Yeah, I thought it did. I totally forgot about this last moment. Totally tubular comes back, and Dustin, you know, trick-or-treating is over. He walks home, or rode his bike home. He's walking up the driveway, and um, you're just about to go in the house, and he hears something by the garbage. And again, there's that same sound that Will heard in the Upside Down, and that um, that Hopper heard in the in, in the woods there by the farm. That same little like I can't even it was like I can't make the sound. I'm not even gonna try it. Um but he's like, you know, what what is that noise? And boom, then the garbage really shakes. And he holds up like the end of his Probaton pack with Ghostbusters, like that's gonna do anything. But he bravely rips open the the the, the garbage tank garbage cap, looks inside, and he's like, Holy sh and then it shuts off. That's the end of the episode. And of course, Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters theme plays. Uh, he's brave. All these kids are brave. I would have run if this happened to me. Like, never mind the first season. Um, after these two seasons, I'm sure I'd be in therapy. But these kids seem to just live for adventure. And the fact that he, of course, what he does with this thing—he's he's really into science and scientific discoveries. Um, but he. Very bravely, I would have not taken that tank. I would have ran in the house so fast, but I'm not Dustin. I'm not Dusty. Um, so that's how the episode ends. You know, Dustin finds something in his garbage, um, and boom, that's the end of the episode. So what did we learn here? What did we learn? Well, we learned that the farmers, there's no way the farmers are poisoning their pumpkins. Something uh, is causing this rot. We don't know what it is, but it is um, really spreading. Uh, we learn that Nancy, um, after a while, can't hold her alcohol, but she is just so guilt-ridden that um, she can't live the life of a normal teenager right now. She can't pretend and just be Steve's girlfriend and just live life uh, to the point where she pushes Steve away. Um, we learn that Max is becoming friendly with the group, the party, uh, which make Lucas and Dustin very happy, makes Will not really care, uh, and it makes Mike very jealous and angry because he's still pining for Eleven, obviously, and he does not like anyone else in his group, um, especially with the fact that they didn't consult him first, like like, like he needs to be uh, on the approval chain. Um, we learn that we learned all about Eleven getting um, from the... Well, we didn't learn it all, all of our flashback. We learned a lot of it uh, from the, the upside down to hiding in the woods to um, finding Hopper's food. Um, we learned that she can get into the void now without the need of the, uh, the sensory deprivation tank just to go you know, look for Mike. Um, she doesn't ha have to hold anything. She, just, she doesn't have to think about him because, you know, they're so close. They're so connected. Mike is still looking for her every single night. Um, we know that Billy's a prick. We know that uh, Jonathan really seems to like Nancy. Uh, but he's not crazy about Bob. Who's crazy about Joyce? Um, we learned about something where they took Will to Chicago. There's some guy in Boston. I hope we hear about that someday in the future. And, of course, Will going into the Upside Down. He finally talks about the monster. 
and how it's weirdly like he's in between, stuck in between both places where he's not fully in the upside down, but he's not fully in our world too. Wow. What a lot of excitement. I mean, can you hear the excitement in my voice? I'm not tired at all. Um, it was a cool episode. A lot of uh, fun moments, and a lot of cool moments, and all geared up, ready for the next episode, ready for episode three next week. Um, but until then, thank you guys for listening. Of course, the website is fansnotexperts.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Geek Mentality. You can find me, uh, you can find everything on the podcast at the website, but you can also find us on iTunes. We should be on most of your podcast searching tools. Thank you, everybody, for subscribing. I don't have a lot of subscribers, but the ones I have, um, even the, the fact that I have any blows my mind. Um, you know, we, we hit the 100 mark uh, probably because, you know, the, the season two just started or we just came out very recently. Um, so we're in that area. To me, that's humongous. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for subscribing. Um, yeah, I mean, geez. Happy Veterans Day, uh, everybody. To you know, it's it's still Veterans Day um, when I'm when I'm talking right now. So, thank you if you're a veteran, or if you have veterans in your family. Thank them. Thank you. Um, you know that line. Thank you for your service. You hear it all the time, but you know what else can you say except thank you? Uh, so happy Veterans Day. Uh, that's real world stuff, though. You know, stranger danger, stranger things. That's the fantasy world. That's the fun stuff. The fantasy world, not the scary real world. I have to go back to that right now after I finish talking to you. Um, but really, it's 1042 at night, so my evening will be putting up a podcast and going to sleep. Probably taking my dog out one more time. Really exciting stuff. Not as exciting as young Will Byers, all his friends in Hawkins, Indiana, where we will be once again next Friday for episode three. But until then, beware the mind flare. Or I'll just say trick or treat, freak. That's not experts.